1: The right workspace is more than just square footage. It's an incubator of achievement, a magnet for talent. Your workforce unleashed. For 160 years, Savills has been bringing real intelligence to global real estate, ensuring not just any space, but the perfect workspace. Because the most important dimension of a building is the human one. Savills. See what Savills can do for you at Savills.us. 2016-2018
2: Six 2018 edition of the Fantasy Football Report, a of his radio news show covering the series and mocking the ridiculous NFL news of the last week, brought to you by my bookie. I'm Blair Andrews. You can follow me on Twitter at Am I the Real Blair. and my co-host is Hassan Rahim, who you can follow at HRR5010. Hassan, what's up?
3: Hey, what's going on, Blair? Uh, happy Thanksgiving. A little late, but uh, as you can tell, I'm a little under the weather. How was your uh, Thanksgiving?
2: Oh, my Thanksgiving was good. You know, always nice to get a break see the family and uh watch some football so yeah good good thanksgiving sounds like it was a little better than yours so uh um <laughs> happy not to be sick hopefully some other people in my house are coming down with something it sounds like so hopefully i can uh, fight it off
3: yeah no the thanksgiving was terrific uh the sickness not as much but you know we're on the we're on the upswing so it's gonna be good
2: definitely uh we have no guests today. It's just going to be the two of us, so uh, we'll, uh, you know, bring the fire. Uh, first item up, Baker Mayfield completed 19 of 26 passes for 258 yards and four touchdowns in Sunday's week 12 win over the Bengals. Mayfield has now thrown for multiple touchdowns in five straight games and is the first Cleveland quarterback to do so since Vinny Testaverde. So it looks like Mayfield is locked in as a QB1 for the rest of the season. Uh, Hassan, what are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, one of my bigger regrets this week was probably not playing uh, Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, I, I wound up starting Carson Wentz over him in a, in a do-or-die game, and that, yeah, I'm probably going to end up dying as a result. You know, it's a pretty big swing. Uh, but, you know, going forward, just taking a look at, like, the uh, buy-low machine here for Roto-Viz, uh it doesn't really exactly have uh, a favorable schedule for Cleveland uh, the rest of the way. Uh, but that said, you know some of these teams. I think that the Cleveland uh, offense, particularly Baker Mayfield, should be able to to do well. They've actually got a fairly uh, they're actually slightly on the negative side. Uh, uh, you know they're not, they are not as difficult as some teams going forward, but for the rest of the the season. But you know. That being said, some of these teams that they're going to be facing, specifically Houston, Carolina, um, have pretty high octane offenses, which means that at the very least, Cleveland should be throwing a lot um, to stay in the game. So I think Baker Mayfield is definitely not more so than just a quote unquote streamer. He's on a he's on a team with a half decent you know offense. And a, as we saw today, you know, they just sort of came out with a mission. Uh, it was the Hugh Jackson revenge game wherein the Cleveland Browns took revenge against him. And man, it was uh, it was absolutely nuts. Uh, You know, they just dis. I think they completely disrespected the Bengals there. So it was kind of exciting watching them do that, just because it's wild that like a running backs coach uh, who was promoted to OC. Uh, midseason is what it took to unlock uh, Mayfield and Chubb and all these guys you know what I mean and uh, the one issue that I'm really struggling with here is Jarvis Landry do you think it happens for him this year at all I I gave up a very high draft pick for him uh, in a dynasty league I'm kind of concerned about that
2: yeah that's a great question Um, yeah we've seen kind of this offense come to life under Kitchens I mean I think it's possibly more of a Addition by subtraction, sort of thing, where you you get rid of Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley, and all of a sudden you're good. Um, but yeah, it's weird that Landry really hasn't been able to do anything. I mean, you know, we've seen in each of the last three games, I think, that uh, the Browns have played under Kitchens, Mayfield has spread the ball around a lot. Like nobody has gotten more than, I want to say, maybe seven targets in a game. Um, so, you know, I, probably the sort of target concentration that we're used to seeing from Landry is not going to be there, um, which is, you know, disappointing for everyone who drafted him so high, yeah. Um,
1: Yeah, I don't know. That's tough.
2: Uh, I'm kind of curious also why you weren't exactly on Mayfield this week. I mean, I know he wasn't getting a lot of, not a lot of people were talking about him, but I think this Cincinnati defense kind of, Low-key is, you know, one of the worst. They're, like, right up with the, there with the Bucks in terms of allowing yards. Um, and luckily, Mayfield gets to face them again in Week 16. So, um, you know, even though the by-low machine might not say he has a really great schedule coming up, I think I'm really excited to see what he can do down the stretch.
3: Yeah, I'm actually just going to be locking him in and then just rolling him out each week. Uh, as far as why I wasn't on him this week, I think my fear uh, with with Mayfield a little bit uh, over someone like a Wentz was the inability of C- Cincinnati to really muster much offense. And Cincinnati didn't muster much offense. It just so happened that it didn't matter. They uh, uh, Cleveland really didn't take their foot off the gas until like they were up thirty five to seven. Uh, you know, by which... Uh, and then they really just sort of tried to run the clock out. Um, and it was, you know, awfully apparent that, like, even, like, like since he just didn't have a, a puncher's chance at this one. So it was actually kind of nifty watching Mayfield, you know, get to work. Uh, and, you know, this is just sort of what we should come to expect from the guy. Uh, you know, one of the best college quarterback prospects in a while. He's a little bit on the older side. So it's good to see him immediately take do the NFL as quickly as he did. Um, And so my question to you is, like, where do you think he kind of slots in going next year? Uh, I mean, obviously from a late-round quarterback perspective perspective or what have you, but really more so from a dynasty perspective.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, uh, Dynasty, I would consider him probably top 12. Um, Yeah, I'd have to look more closely at at, – you know, and actually putting together some rankings for, for dynasty and for next year to see where he would end up. I mean, the, he's definitely looked a lot better the last few games than he did earlier in the year. Um, and uh, you know, for a rookie quarterback, I think what he's doing is pretty impressive. So uh, I would definitely be expecting big things next year, wouldn't? Um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he could end up being like a top five quarterback year after year um so from a dynasty perspective i think you've got to consider really bumping them up your rankings um yeah and then next year in terms of redraft i'm not <laughs> not
3: even yeah really equipped at this point to yeah redrafts like, yeah redrafts a little it's a little too early to start uh, discussing that but just just curious about dynasty because we're heading into you know prospect season and then eventually it'll be startup season so just trying to get your ideas on that one
2: what do you think? Where
3: do you have him? Yeah, I would definitely say a top five prospects. I mean, uh, and this really isn't just recency bias uh, speaking. Uh, I think that you would have to kind of consider him maybe after Mahomes, and you've kind of got your Goff's and stuff. Like I think somewhere around in that in that region, I don't know how high. I got to actually sit down and do them, and uh, this is a good time for us to plug our uh, Rotaviz dynasty rankings, which <laughs> would be updated uh, in the off season. So. so it-
2: hmm? Would you have him ahead of Deshaun Watson?
3: Uh, probably not. Uh, I've yet to see that kind of uh, explosion from Mayfield. Doesn't mean that like, he's not capable. I think, really, uh, what I want to talk about probably more so is specifically, not necessarily rankings, but you know, maybe we, we should see if we can do like tiered rankings, right? Because uh, if, especially because quarterback uh, scoring is so clumped together that really you kind of want. You, don't, you know, you don't really want, like, guys who won't lose the game. Really, you want quarterbacks who are, like, difference makers at the position. Guys like a Patrick Mahomes or, like, a Deshaun Watson from last year who can, like, or even Wentz from last year. You know, guys or Trubisky from earlier this year where they can single-handedly change uh, your game. Like, really, um, where they take your uh, – they're not just, like, giving you a floor kind of like uh, a Matthew Stafford used to be, right? Right. Like They're giving you an actual ceiling. So it sort of turbocharges your lineup going forward. And I think that that's uh, a, a way that I'm going to be looking to segment um, my quarterback rankings next season. Um, so, so that way, and I, and I want to see if there's a possibility for us to do it from a tier perspective. Christian McCaffrey rushed uh, 17 times for 125 yards and a touchdown. He also hauled in 11 of his targets for 112 yards and another score in the Panthers' in the Panthers' Week 12 loss to the Seahawks. Uh, Blair McCaffrey did everything in this game, and it really underscores his role as a true bell cow in this offense. With McCaffrey putting up gaudy fantasy totals like he did today, how does this impact the other Panthers skill position players?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean today he did it, of course, without Devin Funchess playing at all. So um kind of have to take that into account. I think we also saw DJ Moore get, I'm going to say 12 targets in this game. Don't have it up in front of me. But um so it's definitely a case where up oh, 9 targets. So it's definitely a case where McCaffrey and DJ Moore can kind of coexist and you can have these two high target guys <laughs> as long as Fonchus is out, I guess. But uh yeah, I think if McCaffrey is going to be getting these double digit targets every week, which I'm not sure we can count on. If Punches comes back, then what you see is nobody else even got four targets. I mean, Olsen had four, actually. Nobody else got more than that. Um, so it definitely kind of lowers the floor for the other pass catchers. Um, I don't think you can rely on Greg Olsen if McCaffrey is going to be taking targets that used to go to him. Uh, and, you know, Samuel got a touchdown, but. His two targets are not uh, going to be something you can rely on either. So,
1: yeah, I mean, there
2: are never going to be a lot of, a ton of pass attempts to go around in this offense. So, uh, I mean, I think it's awesome for McCaffrey that he's getting this kind of work, but you do have to bump some of these pass catchers down a little bit. Um, Hoping we see more DJ Moore, too, and uh, less punches.
3: Yeah, I, I kind of think that, like, uh, more uh, more concentrated target share would actually be kind of nice. They seem to be pretty intent in running out guys like uh, Jarius Wright, I believe he had a catch. Yep. Uh, I mean, ideally, you'd want, like, some kind of um, narrow target distribution between McCaffrey, Moore, Curtis Samuel, uh but instead, you know, we've got a little bit of Jerry Stride in there. There's probably going to be a little bit of Torrey Smith. Who knows how he does when he comes back? Uh, obviously, you got Funches. You have a little bit of Olsen. But, you know, like you said, it really, this offense seems to kind of run through Christian McCaffrey, which is actually kind of exciting, um, So, which brings about, you know, kind of the second part of this question, which is, you know, where would you put uh, McCaffrey in your dynasty rankings and um, – where would you be drafting him actually when best ball leagues open up?
2: Ha <laughs> another rankings question. Yeah, I think um you're definitely he's definitely a first round pick next year in best ball leagues, I would think. Um maybe top six even. Um I don't think I would have a problem taking him that high. Uh so yeah, in terms of in terms of dynasty rankings, uh, I think you've probably got you're talking about Gurley and Saquon. And then when you look at a guy like McCaffrey, who's getting double-digit targets in the passing game and the bulk of the rushing work, um, you probably want to put him right up there in that tier with those top guys. Um, yeah, I don't know if I would have uh, if I would have anyone else above him besides Gurley and Saquon.
3: Yeah, I think I'm kind of with you on that one. Uh, like these are guys who single-handedly can change. I probably would have Kamara up there. Um, yeah. but you know, but you never really know what it's going to be like what Drew Brees will do. Uh, so that's you know, quote unquote, subject to change. It gets very, very thin, really, when you're looking at these like uh, running backs who get the, this kind of usage as as receivers in the back and like as rushers. So it's you know, it's difficult to say that. And so far, the guy who we've seen do that consistently is Saquon and uh, McCaffrey, uh, Camaro when Ingram was out. Um, trying to think of somebody else. Melvin Gordon, but he's been hurt. I mean, obviously, Doug Gurley. But for the most part, you know, we've settled into a lot of running back by committees. And then you have guys who see a lot of um, volume, uh, but also just are unfortunately stuck on bad offenses like David Johnson. So they don't have this uh, kind of ceiling. And people were initially worried a lot about Cam Newton vulturing touchdowns with his rushing ability that really hasn't come through because I think a lot of what works for McCaffrey is that his ability to, to create those big plays, right? So he's able to create those chunk plays and it's difficult to rely on that. But at the same time, he's the kind of guy who's got not only a high floor, but also his ability to create those uh, chunk plays gives him such a high ceiling that it's exciting uh, really in terms of, uh, um, having him on your fantasy team. And I really am going to be looking forward to overdrafting him next season when uh, when when startups actually open.
2: Yeah, you bring up a good point about the game script with guys like uh, Kamara, where um, kind of in, in some situations he's basically not a factor because they use Ingram instead. And we have actually seen that with
1: Gurley a little bit too.
2: He's still on the field in competitive games, but against New Orleans and against Kansas City, he was basically, you know, not used in the passing game all that much. Um, I think, you know, if there's any concern with McCaffrey, it's that so often in the red zone, Cam Newton calls his own number instead of handing off to McCaffrey near the goal line. So his touchdown expectation, I guess, would have to be a little bit lower than guys like Gurley and Barkley. but uh, you know that's a that's something I guess to keep in mind. But when when you're talking about a guy who gets 11 targets and uh, you know, probably can't average 11 targets over a season, but you know that kind of work in the passing game that's uh, hard to replace.
3: Yeah, I don't know. Would you say he's a top three dynasty running back?
2: Uh, I would have it pretty close between him and Kamara, but. Uh, yeah, top three or four probably. All
3: right, it's uh, kind of where I've got him as well. Right. Um, so just out you know, be just curious to see if our valuations lined up. So
2: yeah, I mean, I would flirt with putting James Conner up there too, just the work that he's gotten, basically the Le'Veon Bell role in Pittsburgh. Um, so yeah, there, I think there's probably five or maybe even yeah, you wouldn't want to put put Zeke in that. Although he's been getting a lot of passing game work too lately, but. Yeah, Zeke, how been, much how much that is part of his game and how much is just kind of a recent aberration, you know?
3: Nah, I think I think this is what it is going to be going forward, but he's always someone who someone else in the draft always likes more than me. That's true. Yeah. So, you know, so like at the equi at the equal pricing with a similar role, I'd probably be taking a guy like McCaffrey over a guy like Zeke, although they're both very good picks uh, at their high ADP.
2: So where does David Johnson slide in after this season that he's having?
3: He should probably slide into his own kind of tier, right? <laughs> like, uh, like I would assume that he's actually closer to Zeke than most people want to believe. Yeah. Um, especially because a guy like... Uh, david johnson is capable of completely smashing it's just a matter of him being stuck with a rookie quarterback and on a you know and just a vanilla scheme similar to zeke but the, except the difference is the scheme is kind of centered around zeke's power running style whereas david johnson's they, they didn't even use him as a receiver till, till much later in the season and even now they're not giving him the kind of volume he should be seeing to be a useful uh receiving running back so Uh, I would say that David Johnson, uh, provided they're able to use him uh, the same way Arians did, is going to be a steal next year. But it depends on how far he falls in drafts, you know? Mm -hmm.
2: Yep. Do you have any clue what you would be doing with Le'Veon Bell?
3: Uh, None at all. Like, I need to see him actually get signed before I start considering drafting him. It's very difficult, like, to really consider that there's a real possibility he might just, like, be done with football. You know what I mean?
2: yeah yeah I would probably be surprised if he weren't playing somewhere next year, but definitely you you, you can't uh, can't use a high pick on him or you know <laughs> can't really make any plans at all without knowing a little bit more about where he's gonna end up yeah,
3: and it kind of also depends on the offense I mean if he's gonna land up on a, on a team like Indianapolis, ooh baby we're all in you know what I mean it's, it's, it's going to be a tough one. I think that's going to be an interesting one to, to check when uh, best ball leagues open up next year. But at the same time, uh, dynasty from a Dynasty perspective, I have no idea what to do. I think you can actually probably bypass him in Dynasty if you're if you able to um, uh, appropriately construct your rosters. So that would be the interesting one.
2: All right, before we get into know should know, here's a quick reminder that you can support The Road of His Radio Network and our 10 shows per week on Patreon. By doing so, you'll gain exclusive access to RotoViz Live, our weekly Sunday morning video show answering all your fantasy questions. Patronships start at just $6 a month and provide exclusive access to RotoViz Live. That's four shows per month on top of 40 podcasts for just $6. Become a RotoViz Radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners, access premium content, and do your part in helping the network to grow and continue to produce high-quality industry-leading programming.
3: Speaking of exclusives, as a loyal podcast listener, you can get 30% off a Rotovis NFL Pass right now. It's available through the NFL podcast homepage, rotovis.com slash podcast. You'll gain unlimited access to all of our NFL content and our tools. You get amazing value. You help support the podcast network. And uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, but we're getting into prospect season. You'll enjoy those prospect profiles and we'll help figure out, find those uh, diamonds in the rough when it comes time for your uh, rookie drafts so uh come join us uh, at rotaviz.com/podcast. slash podcast
2: all right now let's get into no shit shit no. first item cameron brate caught three of four targets for 26 yards and a touchdown in the bucks week 12 win over san francisco
3: yeah this one's going to be uh no shit for me uh you know he's done pretty okay i think uh cameron brate in uh og howard's absence we've seen we've seen Jameis winston and cameron brate link up a few times so that's actually kind of cool to see this uh He's on a few of my basketball rosters, but also four targets, you know, it just sort of underscores the garbage fire of that is the uh, uh, tight end position, the wasteland, as it were.
2: So I was all in on Chris Godwin this week, and it's in part because of Godwin's splits when Howard missed time last year. He averaged like 92 yards a game. It was a small sample, obviously, only three games, I think, but... Um today we saw him only catch, I think, four passes uh, for 42 yards, I want to say. But uh, do you think we'll see more from Godwin going forward at all with Howard out?
3: I'm hopeful. Uh, they've kind of used him sporadically, really. I'm kind of hoping they eventually start shelving um, Deshaun Jackson here. Uh, they don't really have much to play for as a team, I don't think. So, you know, it'd be nice if they, yeah, because Deshaun Jackson had eight targets where he went three for 19, whereas Godwin got four for four for 42. I would think at some point that Godwin should be the guy that they'll eventually turn to, whether it's because of OJ Howard being out or whether it's because it's um because of Deshaun Jackson's increase in effectiveness. I don't know. But uh, we, you know, I would assume that they better start giving him more looks as we go down, go down the, the, the rest of the season here. Right.
2: Yeah, hope so. I own him in so many best ball teams and some redraft teams, and uh, I'm gonna keep spending, <laughs> wasting money by playing him in DFS, so
3: I don't know. <laughs> Tyler Boyd caught seven of eight targets for 85 yards and a touchdown in Sunday's Week 12 loss to the Browns.
2: Yeah, this is no shit. Uh, AJ Green was ruled out again. Um, there was some talk that Green being in would actually help Boyd because it's like Boyd is more of a complimentary receiver and can't really uh, be the main guy. But I think, you know, last week he had double-digit targets. Today caught seven of eight for 85 and a touchdown. I think that he's probably showing that he can function in that wide receiver one role. Um, So, yeah, this is, I think, really uh, exciting for his prospects going forward. I would expect... Green is back next week. He was close to playing this week, so I think he'll be back. That could help, you know, open up the offense for Boyd even more, although he might see his targets drop a bit from what he's seen the last two weeks. Uh, But, yeah, I would keep, you know, starting him with confidence. Uh, Yeah, he's good. (laughs) Rob Gronkowski caught three of seven targets for 56 yards and a touchdown in the Patriots Week 12 win over the Jets.
3: Yeah, this is kind of a bit of a no shit for me. What's, uh, what's uh, kind of uh, increasingly frustrating is uh, Gronkowski's continued uh, inefficiency despite seeing volume. But it's nice to see him continue to earn those kind of, that, that kind of volume. I mean, he's clearly, like, Brady's a better quarterback when he's on the field. Like, we can see that in the, in the road of his game splits app. The splits with and without uh, Gronk are pretty jarring if you take a look at them. So it's actually, you know, kind of cool to see him get in the end zone. And it would be nice to see him continue getting work as he goes on down for the rest of the season because it'd be nice uh, for for most of us who kind of kept faith. Again, this is a bit of a dumpster fire position, and I'm sure that if you have Gronk, he's been a source of endless frustration, but if he's able to play the rest of the season, uh, you know, you got to keep rolling him out there because he's always a threat to do this. Saquon Barkley rushed 13 times for 101 yards and one touchdown. He also caught seven of eight targets for 41 yards. And an additional touchdown in the Giants is 25-22. Week 12 lost to the Eagles.
2: Oh no shit. Um, Saquon is good. We just talked about it. Probably my number one dynasty running back and probably uh, the number one redraft pick next year. Um, yeah, this is what's amazing is he's, he's doing this despite how bad the Giants have been. I mean, today they put up 25. Last week they put up, I think, 37 or something. But that Last week was the first time they'd scored 30 points in, like, two years. So um, this is just a really bad team. And, you know, Saquon is amazing despite that. Kind of the exact opposite of what we've seen from David Johnson in Arizona where his offense is really holding him back. Uh, Barkley is kind of transcending his offense. So,
1: yeah, I think
2: he probably, I would expect he'll be the running back one over the rest of the season we're close to it. So. Yeah, Josh Allen completed eight of nineteen passes for 160 yards and a touchdown and rushed twelve times for 100 yards and an additional score in the Bills' Week 12 win over the Jaguars.
3: Um, this is a bit of a—I don't even know. <laughs> like shit, no. I mean, look, we're we're laughing a little bit about like Josh Allen not being a good NFL quarterback, but um, he's done this a couple of times now, where wherein he's able to use athleticism to really sort of single-handedly win them the game. And we saw it again today against the Jaguars. I mean, they were kind of helped uh, a little bit by the fact that uh, the Jaguars' defense seems to be really out of sorts. I mean, people were drafting these guys as the top-ranked defense. I think they're, like, slotting in in the bottom percentile, like the bottom 10 percentile for this season. Like, they, I think they're 24th on the year. Uh, I mean, that just sort of goes to show you how fickle... Um, defense and uh, defensive statistics and all that other stuff really kind of is. It's just, it's kind of impressive though, like genuinely for Josh Allen to be this good. Um, he makes those like wow plays and it's weird because like what really helps is that athleticism, right? Like the Konami code that, you know, Mr. Trubisky has or uh, even once had last year where they just sort of take off and it'd be kind of interesting if this is a natural an, an part of his game. Uh, wherein, I mean, he'll be a pretty fantasy viable option, I would suppose. What do, you, what do you think?
2: Yeah, it's weird. I mean, you know, Allen is basically doing the same thing Lamar Jackson is doing. And when Jackson does it, we think it's great, but when Allen does it, we're like, oh, well.
3: Right. <laughs> you know,
2: I mean, the one thing, he only completed eight of 19 passes, so that's like way less than 50%. And one of those, you know, for 160 yards and a touchdown. And the touchdown, I think, came on a 75-yard completion to Robert Foster. So, you know, uh, I I don't like to do this game, but if you take out that 75-yard completion, he's basically 7 of 18 for, what, uh, 85 yards and no touchdowns throwing. So, um, I guess he's like Lamar Jackson. If Lamar Jackson were somehow even worse at passing, uh, but... You know, if he's going to keep doing this, running for almost 100 yards, going to keep running the ball this way, he probably has fantasy value. So, as much as it pains me to say it, because I'm not a Josh Allen fan at all, he might, you know, he could probably uh, help your fantasy team in the 2QB league if you're really needy, or maybe even if you're not.
3: Leonard Fournette rushed 18 times for 95 yards and two touchdowns. He also caught uh, all three of his targets for 13 yards. Uh he was ejected in the third quarter of the Jaguars as Week 12 lost the Bills.
2: Uh, I mean, I guess it's a shit no on the ejection in the sense that he probably won't be ejected every game. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, the Jaguars obviously want to give the ball to him. They obviously, you know, want the offense to run through him when he's healthy. 18 rushes has been actually pretty low considering what he's been seeing the last uh, two games since he's come back. Um, I think he is probably going to remain pretty touchdown dependent. Uh 3 targets is about what you should expect I think every week. So, you know, today he scored two touchdowns, had a good game, but if he rushes 18 times for 95 yards and no touchdowns, I mean that's still, you know, that's about 10 points, I mean, if you take out the passing game. So, uh he's someone that I think probably has a lower floor than Really, people are willing to admit. But, I mean, in terms of the usage, this is a no-shit. Matt Breida rushed 14 times for 106 yards and caught three of four targets for 34 yards in the 49ers' week 12 loss to Tampa Bay. Yeah,
3: this is going to be a bit of a no-shit. The guy just seems to produce in all game scripts. You know, I mean, this is uh, one of the one of the uh, zero RB guys that uh, Sean Siegel really liked a lot at the start of the season. And I think this is... Pretty much who he is. You know, he's a very good player. And I think realistically, uh, and here's the question that I have for you. Do you think he's forced a timeshare with uh, Jarek McKinnon when he comes back next season?
2: Yeah, I do. Absolutely. I think um, there were even talking about that before McKinnon got hurt. So I think now, just with how Reed has played, you, you have to think he's going to be a major part of the offense next year. In fact, he probably has a, a leg up over McKinnon going into next
3: year. Zach Ertz caught seven of eight targets for 91 yards and a touchdown in the Eagles' 25-22 Week 12 win over the Giants.
2: No shit. Uh, Zach Ertz is one of Wentz's favorite targets. Uh, You know, last week uh, against uh, New Orleans, I think, was an aberration. So can't be too much into that low-target game. Um, Just a blip. I think this is the Ertz we'll see the rest of the season. You know, eight targets in fact is a little bit low for him, uh, but uh, you know, one yards and a touchdown—the sort of stat line you should expect going forward. Amari Cooper caught eight of 10 targets for 180 yards and two touchdowns in the Cowboys' Week 12 win over Washington.
3: Yeah, this is going to be a bit of a no shit for me as well. Uh, Amari Cooper is one of those guys that a lot of people like to dog on, but um, the fact sort of remains that every time he actually does see volume. He does produce very very well uh, and when I say and that's not me just saying very very just to be uh, dramatic about it he he has been one of those guys that has really only dudded once I believe when he's seen more than four targets otherwise for the most part he's been a very consistent wide receiver two or wide receiver one on that on that fringe uh, when he's seen that kind of volume I'm actually uh, let, you know taking a quick look at the road of his uh, you know, weekly stat explorer, I just wanted to double check uh, for PPR leagues here with Amari Cooper is when he sees four or more targets. He is. uh, Let's see here. Yeah, no, he was uh, not. I'm actually wrong on that. He was the wide receiver 31 uh, against Miami. And then he did not see enough uh, volume after that. But for the most part, you know, he's finished as a wide receiver. Let's see. That was the only time he didn't finish as a as a you know fantasy viable wideout against Atlanta. He kind of got blanked last week, and he also saw five targets. He went five for thirteen, seventeen uh, for seventeen yards. So he didn't do much there. But again, for the most part, you're looking at a guy who is producing you know, like a fairly high end uh, wide receiver too. And he was a guy that I actually regret not starting a little bit more my, uh, and why I didn't start him on that Thanksgiving game was not because I was worried about like the lack of volume uh, it was because of his, his performance. Sorry. It was because I was afraid that the Washington offense wasn't going to muster enough, Uh, you know, wasn't going to be good enough to for, for Dallas to play anything more than uh, stuffing Ezekiel Elliott. So I was afraid it was going to be one of those three target, two, you know, two catches, uh, twenty-one yards, no touchdown lines for Amari. But I was wrong. What about? What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean, my thoughts are kind of say what you will about Jason Garrett, but he's got to be smart enough to notice that his team is good when they throw the ball to Amari Cooper. Uh, so I am hoping that they do it more often. Um, for the most part, Cooper has been getting volume in Dallas, which has been really nice to see. We're Totally sure how he would fit, but I think apart from that one game you mentioned, he's been he's been definitely their wide receiver one, and uh, so far looks to have a really good connection with Dak. So uh, I'm I'm pretty excited to see what they can do going forward. It's <laughs> weird to say that about the Dallas offense, but at least Dak and Cooper, I like what they're
3: doing. Matthew Stafford completed twenty-eight of thirty-eight passes for two hundred and thirty-six yards, no touchdowns, and two interceptions. In the Lions is twenty-three, sixteen at Thanksgiving, lost to the Bears.
2: I mean, I guess this is the shit. No, just you know, Stafford usually is better than this, but he always kind of has these games. We know the Bears defense is really good. Um, they were missing carry on Johnson. They've obviously been feeling. The loss of Golden Tate, the offensive line, has been awful over the last few games. Uh, So there was not a lot going right for Stafford going into this game. So um, I don't think we should have expected him to do well. Probably, you know, a little better than 236 yards, no touchdowns, and two picks. But still not a great spot for Stafford. And he kind of predictably underperformed, although probably a little more than
3: should have I kind of uh, think that this is pretty much Stafford uh, from here on out that you know the trade away Golden Tate. this Jim Bob Cooter offense is terrible I don't think Matt Patricia's done a particularly good job it's kind of worrisome because this is probably going to be Stafford next year as well you know it's just a low flow offense and uh, maybe he's struggling because they don't have Marvin Jones as well and Carry on Johnson but you know it's just a pretty it's a very putrid offense unfortunately.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, they obviously want to be running the ball a ton. And when Carrion's been in, they've been giving him a ton of work. Even with Blunt, they were giving... They think he had, what, 19 carries. Um, So, you know, they don't seem to want to really put the ball in Stafford's hands, which probably is unfortunate. I think um, we've seen him get the high attempts before, and he's been decent. So uh, you'd kind of like to see what would happen if they would kind of unleash him, get more passes out to Galladay. Would like to see this offense open up more for sure, although I'm definitely happy with the amount they're using carry on when he's healthy. Gus Edwards, Rumble to 118 yards on 23 carries Sunday in Baltimore's Week 12 win over the Raiders.
3: Yeah, no shit. I mean, Gus Edwards, he's pretty good. Uh Yeah. Alex Collins was declared like a last-second inactive. Um, Gus Edwards took over. He did pretty well last week. And he did really well this week. Uh, Oakland are a bad defense. And it's uh, exciting to see him take advantage of this bad matchup.
2: You think we'll see more Edwards like this uh, next week and in the weeks to come?
3: Yes. uh, This is kind of similar to what Alex Collins did last year, uh, where he just sort of showed up and took the job by force. And it was just the guy going forward, so uh, why not Gus Edwards, you know what I mean?
2: That's a good point.
3: Elijah Maguire rushed six times for 19 yards in the Jets' week 12 loss to the Patriots. He also added a seven-yard reception.
2: Uh, I mean, we knew this was not going to be an easy game for the Jets, and they were probably going to have to air it out more than they might have liked to. Um, I think they probably want to get the ball to McGuire more Um uh, that. Sounded like it was going to be the plan going in, that McGuire would be pretty heavily involved. Uh, six rushes for 19 yards is obviously disappointing. Uh, but, yeah, it wasn't exactly an easy matchup, so I'm kind of torn on this one. I think we'll see better things from him going forward. Um, hopefully, they'll get him more involved in the passing game. Uh, that probably is the the one way that he could have been used more effectively against the Patriots. but. Um, yeah, I guess I'm saying shit no because I think McGuire is a lot better than this stat line would lead you to believe. Uh, but yeah, it's the Jets, and so you know, no shit from that perspective. Calvin Ridley vacuumed eight of thirteen targets for ninety-three yards and one score in the Falcons' Week Twelve loss to the Saints.
3: Yeah, this is going to be a no shit for me. Um, he's coming on strong, man, and and and. Although Mosinu did well, he's not doing, you know, he was still the guy, like, taking over, you know, it's kind of exciting to see, like, a, one of the younger rookies, he was, he came on strong at the start of the season, and he's coming on strong, uh, you know, as the season goes on, and I only expected his role to grow as uh, Atlanta eventually fall out of the playoff race, because it looks like they want him to take over as the secondary running mate to Julio Jones. Juju Smith-Schuster hauled in 13-17 targets for 189 yards and a touchdown in the Steelers' Week 12 loss to the Broncos.
2: No shit. Uh, Juju is amazing. Um, I think the real question is, after Antonio Brown puts up a dud in this game after he did, um, you know, how long before Juju is the kind of clear wide receiver one in this offense?
3: Oh, come on. I, I mean uh you're like to describe uh antonio brown's uh you know nine catches 67 yards on 13 targets as a dud uh it's kind of pretty interesting considering ryan switzer had a similar line on fewer targets so is antonio brown the wide receiver three (laughs) No, no no just kidding um man, these guys are both good, you know what I mean? Like, uh, like both Brown and Juju are good. They're both going to alternate blow-up games. It's a bit of a bummer to not have James Conner get a little bit into the act because it would have really helped me uh, today immensely in DFS. But for the most part, you know, I feel like Juju really is a wide receiver one, and um, I would not be surprised uh, next season in terms of Dynasty ADP to see him, James Conner, and... um, Antonio Brown sort of all go in that like late first, early second range. What, what, what do you think?
2: Um, yeah, I yeah, I think probably I would uh, first round is kind of high. I don't know, hard to say at this point. Um, you know, I'm just thinking about some stats I heard on another podcast. Uh, Antonio Brown this year has yet to have a game go over 117 yards. He did that, I think, six times last year. He also had six games, I want to say, with double-digit receptions last year. And this year, I don't believe he has any. So, um, yeah, he has none. So it could be just a case that Juju is is uh, kind of coming on a lot stronger. But maybe Antonio Brown is losing a step. He is thirty years old, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, kind of makes all those um, well is, you know, Antonio Brown, the next uh, Jerry Rice or whatever. Um, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I still think I still think Antonio is um, going to be the guy you kind of want. But it also means we should not be discounting or at least consider. Antonio Brown as a a reason why we should be fading Juju Smith-Schuster, especially when drafts open up next year, because there's enough volume in this offense for the two of them clearly to actually coexist.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, Brown actually has more, still more targets and more touchdowns, way more touchdowns than Juju. Although Juju has more catches and more yards. And I think he actually also has more red zone targets than Antonio Brown. So, um, probably not yeah like you said they're both wide receiver ones uh even in this offense it's not even like a one and a two it's uh not even a one a and a one b it's just here's one wide receiver one here's the other one
3: yeah it's just uh oh did you you have a big game well i guess like antonio didn't (laughs) and vice versa
2: Manuel sanders hauled in seven of 12 targets for 86 yards and a touchdown in the broncos week 12 win over the steelers
3: Yeah, a bit of a no-shit on this one as well. I mean, this was a revenge game against his former team, right? So uh, what do we say? You know, revenge game. He definitely uh, came out, balled out. Uh, But that being said, this has kind of been kind of interesting seeing uh, Manny Sanders, uh, elder statesman on the uh, Denver Broncos, uh, continue his rapport that he has with Case Keenum. Uh, You know, with Demaryius Thomas gone, he's getting the kind of volume that makes him a pretty good you know, by receiver two slash wide receiver three, just because case, it's Case Keenum. Um, the, the interesting thing that I'll take away from this is uh, Cortland Sutton is the guy whose lack of targets or usage is kind of getting a little concerning. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, that's definitely a concern. Uh, I just recently wrote a little blurb in the expected points article about rookies in 2018 who had been having efficient seasons, which is a positive sign for their prospects going forward. And Sutton, as of the time I wrote that article, was like barely above expectation. And uh I think after this game, you know, only four targets, but he only got one of them for fourteen yards. So after this game he's gotta be down below that threshold. Uh it's definitely a concern not only the targets but you know, the lack of targets rather, but the lack of catches and yards. Um not a good sign for someone in their rookie season kind of puts him in the Corey Davis, Devonte Parker conversation unfortunately. Uh it's probably too early to to really start making those comps so far, but uh, unfortunately that's sort of what you're looking at if he doesn't turn it around.
3: Yeah, and it's I mean it's kind of concerning a little bit for Corey Davis, but I'm still optimistic he'll finish strong over the next few weeks
2: yeah, I'm hopeful for Davis too, although he's he, he's another player who had a kind of a, a bad rookie year in the way Sutton did. And so far in his second year, he's had a few up games, but mostly hasn't looked that good, which um, based on the data was kind of predictable. So um, yeah, we'll see.
3: Andrew Luck completed 30 of 37 passes for 343 yards, and three touchdowns, and two interceptions in the Colts' 27-24 Week 12 win over the Dolphins.
2: No shit, this is what? Eight consecutive games with three touchdowns for luck, maybe more than that, I can't remember, but uh, yeah, even when he's not getting the volume that he was early in the season, he's still able to convert for these touchdowns. I think um, yeah, until we see him kind of slow down, we can keep rolling him out there, keep uh relying on him uh so yeah, this is the Andrew luck we were hoping to get when he returned from injury, and it's awesome to see back Kenyon drake caught five of six targets for 64 yards and a touchdown in the dolphins week 12 loss to the colts adding eight carries for 32 yards and an, indi- and an additional score
3: uh shit no i mean his <laughs> usage has been kind of you know slightly bizarre it, it was very difficult to really predict this was coming from him especially because this coaching staff seems to be more intent in using um frank gore a lot more than they have been um, you know, they just sort of seem to yank him out like at, at any at any given moment and stuff. So, you know, the fact that Drake was also in non-contact in practice and he had a few other, you know, red flags, it's kind of exciting to see him uh, put together a big game. Uh, as far as his ability to put together these big games, that's a bit of a, shit, you know, uh, no shit because he's done that before. is really what made him such a viable a, a valuable pick in best ball leagues earlier this year. Lamar Jackson completed 14 of 25 passes for 178 yards and a touchdown with two interceptions. He also added 71 yards and a touchdown on 11 carries in the Ravens' week 12 win over the Raiders.
2: Uh, I kind of want to say, you should know, right? 11 carries is pretty low. but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is what we expected from Lamar Jackson for at least uh, a good chunk of his production to come on the ground and, uh. What I think is the most surprising about what he's been doing is how well he's been able to sustain drives and move the ball Um, at the end of the game. Today, when uh, the Ravens were ahead, trying to kind of run out the clock, I believe he led one drive that lasted like 13 plays and then another one that was 17 plays or something. So, um, You know, it's not only his individual success that's impressive. Like, the team actually is a much more competent offense, it appears, when he's under center. So, you know, if Flacco is healthy next week, I think the Ravens have a real kind of (laughs) conundrum. Um, Do you think they should go back to Flacco or stick with Jackson?
3: Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean... Jackson's given them like a pretty good offense. I think that they should probably stick with Jackson. I mean, Flacco's probably got a very short leash now that Jackson's, you know, performed pretty okay. Um, Plus, it also is going to be difficult to go. They don't seem to be doing a lot. So I don't think they'd like really, I don't think the coaching staff is ready to pull the plug on Joe Flacco just yet. You know what I mean? I did not really letting Lamar throw the ball as much. I mean, he threw twenty five passes this week, and that's a kind of a Flacco esque line anyway. But without the without the running, so I don't know if they can. I think they will. I don't know if it's the best option for them, and especially if like Flacco is hampered by you know a hip injury that you know limit his already limited, continue to limit his already limited mobility. I, I don't know what to do with that. You know. Like, uh, uh, or at least not me, but like I don't know what the Ravens will be able to do with it because, um, you know they'd much rather have a dynamic playmaker uh, under center versus a statuesque pocket passer towards the end of his career, you know?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely, I think you know, yeah, it's tough. Uh, all the rhetoric out of Baltimore that I'm aware of would suggest that they want to go back to Flacco, that kind of Lamar Jackson's. It's just a temporary fix while Flacco's hurt. So it would be a little bit surprising, I guess, if they didn't go back to Flacco. But I think with how Jackson has been playing and with how the offense has been playing, you at least have to, if you're the Ravens, you have to consider it. Um, Yeah, I mean, his passing line, (laughs) you said it was Flacco-esque. Flacco would get 178 yards on 40 passes. So it's a little bit, uh, (laughs) maybe even a little bit better. But um, yeah, Uh, two interceptions today he did actually have what looked like some accuracy issues when trying to throw deep a couple times Um, so there's that to consider Um, but I mean when you can run for 71 yards and when you can keep your offense on the field as well as Lamar Jackson seems to it's hard to really hard to bench that guy
3: sure watching football is fun but it's more entertaining when you have some action on the game uh, guys, you've heard me talking about this for weeks. Uh, some of you are still on the sidelines. Whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at my bookie. If you're the kind of uh, person that likes to bet a little, you win a lot, at, like betting the numbers and roulette, at, you can create a big parlay. Pick three teams to win, and if you hit all three, you could turn $100 into $600. There's so much to bet on. College basketball, football, NBA, NHL, custom player props, even eSports, you name it. Uh, MyBookie is the one bet I know you'll be happy with all year. Sign up this week and MyBookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to jump jumpstart your bankroll. It's a great way to bank even more money when you win. I recommend these guys uh, because I really trust them. MyBookie has been in business for years. They've got great online reviews and their mobile site is very easy to use. Uh, also, make sure to follow at BetMyBookie on Twitter or on Instagram. They respond to every mention of DM. Uh, they've also given away nearly $10,000. And free money to their followers. Uh, you'll be the first to know as soon as, as new odds and props are posted. Uh, so you log into my bookie right now. Don't miss out. All right, and to uh, use promo, promo or code Rotovist and you get your first deposit matched. Uh, that's uh, promo code Rotovist. You play, you Both win, uh, you get paid. David
2: Moore significantly outproduced Baldwin today. Uh, Lockett caught all five of his targets for 107 yards and a touchdown. While Moore caught four or five targets for 103 yards and a touchdown. So has. Doug Baldwin's role on this offense has been minimized?
3: Yeah, I don't know if he has been uh, minimized. Uh, I know he was like in line to be a game-time decision. It sounds like he, something else flared up with him in in terms of injury. I, I mean, at this point, like he had a groin injury that he was nursing. He didn't practice earlier this week. Uh, clearly, he was hampered by it. Um, you know, so... I don't know if his role has been minimized because he did see more targets than either of those two guys. He saw seven, whereas both of them saw five. What really makes this frustrating is that both Moore and Lockett are clearly explosive playmakers. And I don't know if Doug Baldwin has that. I don't know if he's going to get that back, whether this is just like a um, a side effect of his injury or, or what have you. But it's um, interesting to see a guy... You know, because Baldwin's kind of on the, on the oldish side, so I think he's in the process of 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 nursing something. So maybe it's taking him longer to get back healthy. But, you know, it's kind of becoming a bit of a lost season for him. And it's a, it's a bit of a bummer, uh, you know, for, for those of us who drafted him, uh, specifically me, who drafted him in a lot of um, best ball leagues and a handful of dynasty leagues and so on. Uh, I wonder if this makes him um, a uh, value next season, uh, in drafts when they're open, but I wouldn't count on it because his name brand values enough wherein someone else would uh, probably overdraft him anyway.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't touching him pretty much at all this season. Uh, partly that was because he was injured um, during a lot of draft seasons. So that's already a red flag. So it's kind of easy to, you know, there are other, were other guys going around him that I liked more that weren't injured. So it was easy to just click their names instead. Um, ah, man, it would be hard for me to get on board with calling him a value next year after this kind of season at his age. Uh, I don't think, you know, I don't think a bounce back would be very likely. Um, he last week had, well, 18 fantasy points, 52 yards and a touchdown. That was his highest output so far this season. Um, so yeah, that's pretty discouraging. He hasn't topped 100 yards yet. I don't
3: know. I think he might be toast. Hey, uh, I I remember reading your article about wide receiver bounce backs, and I think you might actually be on the money here. (laughs) Austin Eckler rushed five times for 35 yards and a touchdown, and he also caught 10 of 11 targets for 68 yards in uh, the Chargers' week 12 win against the Cardinals. Uh, Blair, Melvin Gordon was actually forced to leave the game with an MCL injury. Uh, what do you think Eckler's outlook will be now that we know that uh, Gordon is dealing with a pretty severe knee injury and he's likely going to miss some time? Yeah.
2: Um, unfortunate for Gordon and for his owners, obviously, but I think Eckler should be huge uh, for whatever time Gordon has missed. He's was one of our favorite zero running back candidates. Um, he's been awesome. In a lot of games, even that Gordon's been healthy, uh, he's just, you know, (laughs) obviously very dynamic with the ball in his hands. And, um, yeah, if if he can get the opportunity, I think he has a good shot to produce running back one numbers. Um, There was a game earlier in the season when Gordon missed that uh, he was the main guy and didn't look so good. But uh, I think after seeing what he did today, we can kind of, well, not exactly forget that game, but uh, kind of forget it. Just uh, you know, this is the Echoler that we have seen at other times in the season. So we know he has huge upside, obviously, if he can get the opportunity. So yeah, I'm really excited to see what he can do going forward.
3: Um, as a follow up, uh, it, you know, who do you think the backup uh in Los Angeles uh, would be the guy to pick up? Would it be DeTrez Newsom or Justin Jackson? Who do you think is the guy to pick?
2: Uh, well, for me, it would definitely be Justin Jackson. He had seven carries today, turned that into 57 yards, um, looked really good running the ball. He was a workhorse in college. Uh, I think his sophomore year, he had a workhorse score above 90, which is really incredible, something you definitely want to see in college prospects, is early production. Um, he didn't quite maintain that, but uh, still, you know, Super productive in college. He also has a pretty close to elite agility score. Uh, I think his his uh, three cone was in something like six point seven five. So um, someone who yeah has the production and the athleticism to back it up. So he's definitely intriguing to me. I was actually a little disappointed when the uh, when the Chargers drafted him because uh, obviously they have Gordon and Eckler ahead of him. So it wasn't likely that he was going to see much of the field. But now that He's potentially getting his shot. I'm excited to see what he's doing, what he's going to do. Um, Newsom got four carries also, only got 15 yards. Uh, not not as excited about him. I think Jackson is the guy to get. Uh, yeah, do you have any thoughts on Newsom in particular? I don't actually know a ton about him.
3: No, I mean, he's a preseason superstar, but that's about all I got for you. Uh, I would agree that Justin Jackson is probably the guy you want. Uh, we didn't see much of him in preseason. I mean, Newsom went ahead to make the team um, because as a direct result of his uh, preseason performances, which makes him interesting to stash uh, going down the, down the line. But I think, realistically, the guy you want, at least for the rest of the season, would probably be Justin Jackson, who seemed to have overtaken Newsom um, going forward and for the rest of the season, most probably.
2: All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Please remember to rate and review the Road of His Radio channel on iTunes and subscribe to our Patreon. For Hassan Rahim, I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast channel on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email roadofhisradio@gmail.com. at gmail.com follow us on twitter at rotoviz radio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to rotoviz at a 30 percent discount through the rotoviz radio homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast
1: Workspace is more than just square footage. It's an incubator of achievement, a magnet for talent. Your workforce unleashed. For 160 years, Savills has been bringing real intelligence to global real estate, ensuring not just any space, but the perfect workspace. Because the most important dimension of a building is the human one. Savills. See what Savills can do for you at Savills.us.